So hello and welcome to another bonus episode of the Shiny Side Up podcast, dedicated to improved production racing around Australia and hosted by Mick Hazelton and myself, Chris White. This episode was recorded on 7 July 2020. And in tonight's episode, Mick and I discuss our work on our race cars during the COVID period, including Mick's ongoing development of the oiling system on his RX-7, and my own tribulations at the first race outing for my Mazda 323. Thanks again to Mick and to all you listeners out there for your ongoing support of our podcast. Don't forget to subscribe on Facebook and in your podcast app for future episodes. Hope you enjoy the show. So, so Mick, we've talked a little bit about yeah, news in the category. Let me ask you a little bit about what's going on in your garage at the moment. You've got a couple of cars, I guess, potential IP cars that uh, could be on track soon or, or or what have you. How are we going with the RX-7 first and maybe then you can give us an update on the Corolla? Well, yeah, I've had some time because I haven't been you know, busy doing podcasts or anything because we've had Sorry a about that. break. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so the sumps, the sumps finished, the hybrid sump version two. So, and all the, I can't even remember it's been that long, Chris, since I've given an update. But just as a recap, I believe from all the testing that we have done in the in the garage on scavenging and pump and pressure and how it is even possible to still have all pressure issues with a dry sump or a hybrid dry sump it looks like that the scavenge it was all to do with the scavenging i couldn't right. it wasn't collecting the oil well enough for the scavenge pump to be able to pull it out of out of the sump or the plate or what do you want to call it let's just call it the engine sump technically all rotaries are dry sump it's just because they're sealed from any moving parts. You know, yep. like the, it's just located under the engine. So the sump tank is under the engine and it's still susceptible to issues with cornering G-forces not being able to pick up on the standard pump. Mm-hmm. So that's why I've gone to my hybrid solution. So all the testing I did, it worked if the car was dead still. Right. <laughs> it worked fine, but as soon as we any sort of G load, you know, 1G would mean 45 degrees of oil fill angle in the sump because mm-hmm. you got G down, G sideways, half of that, 45 degrees. So as soon as it got any sort of cornering load, it, was, it wasn't scavenging. The oil mm-hmm. was going into places that it couldn't scavenge from. And if you look at most modern dry sump solutions, they don't have any sort of baffling or scavenge assist system of bowl or pickup it's just like a big flat open pump with two to three pickup points that just suck every single bit of oil they can possibly that's that's draining into the sump area yep that doesn't work when in an improved production car in rx7 when you've got to run the standard subframe that takes up a lot of space we've got the drag link that goes across so it's it's a bit of a challenge to get an open area where you can effectively scavenge from multiple locations anyway. If it was a sports sedan, it wouldn't be a problem. You know, like you can just put them wherever you want and change the chassis design to suit. But IP rules, got to have the OEM. There's no overhang of the engine in front of the subframe anymore because we lower mm-hmm. the engine so much and, and cinemas far back, tucked up into the firewall as much as we can for better center of gravity and yep. your center of your. So that means we've only got around 
100 mil of, of scavenge area behind the drag link steering arm to be able to pick up. And if anyone follows other popular RX-7 people on Facebook, I believe Joey Lenthal put up some beautiful pictures of his latest wet sump design that's trying to fix his oil issues. So hopefully yep. that works for him. So good luck, Joey. For me, I, I run the engine lower, I run the car lower than Joey does, and I don't have the room that he does under the car because I'm sacrificing oil pickup ability, <laughs> oil sump ability, <laughs> whereas most RX-7 people sacrifice ride height yep. to be able to make sure the engine's good. And I just, because I'm chassis first, engine second, I just, I must see, find this, <laughs> I must figure out how to do this and still keep the chassis ride height and center of gravity and center of yaw that I want. Mm -hmm. So, previous episode, we spoke about hybrids and everything. So, I came up with a new baffled solution, no gated or anything, but still baffled tank that has now three times the area to collect the oil that I had before and also three times the volume. So, it's, mm -hmm. it's even more of a hybrid solution now where I'm actually running a wet sump, but the pressure pump picks up from a dry sump tank. All the wet sump does is scavenge. So right. so I put all the knowledge that we had from success and failure and then did my own testing with running, you know, remote and watching what scavenging out and sump off the car, running it and hooking up hybrid oiling systems so I could watch what's happening. And quite successfully, I believe, I figured out what the issue was, came up with a new design, manufactured a new sump, put it on and it worked as far as I could tell from the testing that we can do in a shed. Like yep. obviously track testing will solve it. So I'm at the stage now where I am potentially ready to test the car and see if that works. But because of all this extra time and hard to get on tracks and still an unknown when I'm even gonna race again, I am moving my whole cooler location I have an issue with the rotary and the dry sump tank where the oil slowly bleeds through the oil pump and through the engine and does and empties out of the, the header tank, the dry sump yep. tank. Yep. And and then sits in the sump. So then on startup it needs to scavenge before it can pressure. Right. So it's so I'm going through an issue where I need to wind the engine over for a very long time before I can start the engine to make sure I've got pressure everywhere. Yeah. And I believe that isn't acceptable, especially if you need to start the engine in a hurry for some reason after a stop, you know. Yep. So I've come up with a valving system that whenever the red key's in the car, so the battery isolator's on, then the valve's open. As soon as you dump that key, valve shuts and seals the tank off, so to speak. So it shouldn't be able to leak down through and empty the header tank so that's always got a head of oil for the pressure side without drawing pictures and showing it. It's obviously hard to explain everything, but I hope people understood <laughs> what I'm talking about there. So that's all 75% done. Look, you'll, you'll be happy. I've actually taken my mock duff brackets off and painted them. <laughs> 
like I know that <laughs> anyone who knows me out there is chucking is throwing their laptop or they're punching their screen right now about amount of times that I've laughed at people and also said do not paint anything until you've tested that it works I I'm I'm going to use the excuse of I've got the time to paint so I'm painting right now but yeah I'm trying to change my my strict ways be a little bit more flexible <laughs> in my own thoughts never alone in other people's thoughts but generally i would not paint something until it's worked on the track and maybe i'm protecting myself from my own laziness because you know i've got a lot of parts on the car that are still unpainted that have <laughs> tested perfectly and i just like oh, i'll fix that one day and then one day never comes so um i'm confident that the bits i've made and the things that i've done have worked uh, are tested fine and they will work and even if they don't i will happily remodify them and paint them again later if i have to <laughs> very good so so it sounds like you've made significant progress and there's still a little bit of tinkering going on with the rx7 do you have any thoughts on when you might put it on track again so i'm itching to get a test out like um i'm just i it's actually good for me, I think, that I got to a point where I can't stand something silly happening with it again. I know I had a lot of unpredictably, unexplainable silly things, like the, the spring-loaded cover for the ignition switch breaking and failing and then knocking the ignition off. Like, who could predict that ever happening? Like, <laughs> I know that my car fails a lot and some of my methods of trial and error mean that I am susceptible to failures during a race a lot. <laughs> but come on, like, you can't predict that, right? So I'm trying to eliminate everything that's in my power, at least, to, to not be a silly issue on the weekend. And, you know, it's more because track time is going to be more precious now, I think. Yeah, well. yeah. And whereas before I've taken it for granted, I've taken my own time for granted and now... You know, it's it's a big effort to even find time in your life to be able to get to the track, especially with changes in the world, yeah, our lifestyle now, and tracks aren't open as much, I suppose. And I just, yeah, I just want to do it a little bit more professionally. You know, use the actual knowledge I I have to to make my own car as good as what I insist other people's cars are so for sure yeah like might as well do that right well i guess another reason too why you might not have as much time with the rx7 so so i guess to you're talking about quality over quantity in terms of track time is that there's another car in the garage the corolla so how's that been going well we i was going really well i we i was i was very happy with how it was tuning up and pulling and and we're getting some adequate torque figures on the dyno. And then I was like, right, we've we've done a few test days, and I've given a list of things that I didn't like about the car, and and we changed those. We squared a few things up. We changed some brake balance issues that we we're having, and it was all good to go. And then, unfortunately, the last dyno pull we did it threw a dry sump belt from. Ooh. Yeah, I know, right. And I didn't notice because it's a remote dyno. I'm not in the car. Um, so it's a chassis. It's a, sorry, not a chassis dyno, but it's a hub dyno yep. that Dad built. And I'm remote and Dad's sitting in the car just in case for these issues if we need to pull out a gear and stop straight away. And I was tuned away and doing a big pull. And uh, I just 
I was looking at tuning and not looking at all pressure and I saw the warning come up and I went to roll out the throttle and Dad had already hit the ignition straight away and shut the engine down. But we spun a bearing. So that was annoying. But as as it happened, I I remember looking at Dad and saying, I just – I swear something flicked off the car. You know, like as I was out of the peripherals visions, I noticed something change around me even though I was concentrating on the screen. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, and then I looked down and I was like, oh, well, we've got hardly any volts and the battery was low. And then I jumped in the car and I looked at the alternator. And, and because of the space issues, trying to fit a Beams and the SW20 gearbox in an 85 Corolla, yeah. we've got tiny little pulleys like the oil pump, then so it goes from crank to oil pump, and then from oil pump to alternator. Yeah, and then the, I could notice that the alternator wasn't spinning as I as I was shutting everything was shutting down. I'm like, oh, what's going on there? And then I looked down and yeah, no tooth belt missing oh, from the, no. yeah. So and Dad then got out of the car and he's like, there's no oil pressure and having a fluster, which is fair enough because his car and his engine. Yeah. I'm like, oh, I'm sure it wasn't that bad, right? It'll be all right. It was only a few seconds, but. Yeah, that's all it takes. That's all it took. That's exactly. Oh man, especially high RPM. Well, it load. Yeah, it would, look, honestly, we're not spinning it that hard at the moment. We're only going to seven five, and yeah. you know, I had to convince Dad to let me bump the limit up to seven five. I want, you know, if it was, I wanted to go to eight five, you know, but he, yeah, it's his car and his engine, and he's got a point. What's the point is spinning that hard when we've got a standard gearbox anyway? Because it's just gonna. You know, as you know, you spin it NA yep. harder. It just makes your gear spacing wider. So I I kind of agreed and, yep, happy spot. Anyway, he pulled the oil filter off, put an angle grinder through it, and we could see a couple of little bits of flex in it. So we yeah. pulled the engine down. And then, yeah, saw the spun bearing, gave it a full bearing, freshen up anyway in the bottom end, didn't touch anything else. And we got the and dad got the engine back in the car and surprised me. I was just visiting just to check in on, on the fam. And then um, dad's like, oh, we're ready for a start. And, and so, you know, the family visit turned to dad nice in the garage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Doing some dyno tuning. Pretty much dumped the debt family visit instantly. But then there was some uh, oil pressure. Uh, we weren't getting quite enough oil pressure. And then he found some setting issues later we pulled all apart so he's gone through done a test run just as an idle up to make sure it's got the right oil pressure because they found the the spring the the regulator spring wasn't set right mm-hmm. so he's done all that so we're ready for a pretty much just a garage buzz up you know what i mean just yep. to make sure everything's good and then time to plan a test day so good times very good times like it's it could be that we've gone from working on two cars for a year to having two cars probably testing at the same time, which is pretty, awesome. pretty damn cool. Very good. Well, that's exciting. Uh, and, uh, yeah, we'll be interested to see how, how that test goes, if you're, you're able to get them on track soon. and hopefully... Well, since we're going to be doing these more often now that you actually <laughs> got a chance to settle down and your life isn't spinning around like crazy... So. Well, I won't say, I won't say that, mate. But um, but right now, for reasons of self isolation, I've got a bit of time on my hands. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's good. Well, that's I'm really good, really glad to hear that about both cars. A little bit of a shame that you had that hiccup with the Corolla, and but uh, uh, good on your dad for 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 pulling the engine down and and getting it freshened up and getting it back in the car uh, so quickly. It was surprising to me. I'm growing up with dad. I've well, 
but I'm used to dad just pushing through an issue. Like yep. maybe it's not this, maybe it's not that. And to have him just just shut it down, I need to pull the engine out, was the first words he said. Yeah. You know, like we haven't even checked and cut the the oil filter open yet, you know, like to prove that he was right and we did need to pull it down. He was just, no, nah, I don't, no mistakes. Like, which is good because, yeah, you know, comically, as you know, we've been to the track, we've done five test days, I think, in the track, on in the car, on, on track, and none of them have gone really well. Yeah. <laughs> so I think that's got to him as well. And he's, yeah. he's, he's frustrated that the tiniest little things are affecting us so much where I think he's used to being able to push through things for whatever reason and, and work through it. And he's even been a good influence on me saying, you know, he, he wants to see the RX seven and me go as good as it should be going, you know, like Mm -hmm. he's sick of seeing it pulling in early on races. Yeah. And for me, I'm like, Oh, whatever. I don't care. You know, it's just a bit of fun, but it's still he's he's right. Yeah, it does. It wears it wears you down, and and you, you know you you want to finish a race, especially when you're putting so much effort into it. And not only that, but you're putting effort into it. Not only you're DNFing, but you're then taking a broken car home and having to, you know, wrench on it for yeah. endless time More to try like and I fix did the problems. Look at it and hate on it for six to eight months or whatever yeah. it was. You know? So yeah. he's right. He's totally right. We need to do it properly, and um. I'm confident that both dads and I attitude about both cars is really positive and we should have two cars running around alternatively because I'm not, I'm not going to lie, I can't afford to run my car every single race meeting, mm-hmm. you know, but maybe some my car, some dad's car, you know, we'll, we'll see what see what happens and I'm, I'm going to commit now i was intending on taking one of those two cars to queensland for yep. the nationals obviously and we're going to go or i was just going to go up and pit crew and you know have fun with the boys so yep. um, we've still got that goal to before the end of the year around the november time to be on track somewhere and i think we can both achieve that so that's good and yeah we're we're I'm going to make a commitment now that one of those two cars is going to be putting on the best show possible that we can for our budget and time at the Nationals next year in Queensland. Awesome. Definitely. Yeah, it's going to happen. It's going to be my important event next year and anything else I do in between will just be a bit of fun leading up to it. Great. Good. Well, I'm excited to see that. I'm certainly hoping to be there myself. And, yeah, that'll be great. Good. Excellent. All right. Let's hear about your interesting weekend. Yeah, all right. Well, as you know, and as I guess some of our listeners will know because they were there, um, the Silver Spud got its first uh, race outing. Best name. Best name. <laughs> best name for a car. Yeah. It's, a, it's, a, it's, it's a silver potato, let's yeah. face it. Uh, that's what it looks like. It's not an attractive vehicle. But moving on, the Silver Spud made its first race outing uh, at, City Motorsport Park on the 13th of June. Didn't go particularly well. Um, it's a brand new car and we discovered a few issues with it. Some of them we, <laughs> some of them we kind of expected. Uh, for example, the gearbox. Many of our listeners know it's running a Getrag 260 BMW box just because I was able to buy an off-the-shelf kit to bolt it to a Mazda BP. I thought the box was good. I actually had it rebuilt. box is not good and the box does not like going into fourth gear at all. 
and yeah, so so it's got it's got issues with the box, and we and we knew that before got out there. Uh, I had some very friendly suggestions in terms of lubricants um, from both Macca and also from Ash Barnett. Thank you to both of you. I did try both of your. Uh, suggested lubricant options. Uh, they did improve the box. Uh, in particular, Ash, your suggestion did make a difference, uh, but it did not make the box good to drive. And it just didn't want to go into fourth. So it was very slow shifting into fourth, which is not fun when you're driving a race car. But look, the car was slow, so in the end it didn't make any difference. The second issue which will be evident from any footage you see of my car from any vantage point is that it, well, to suggest that the word handling and my car should go in the same sentence in a complimentary way is, is, is not is not even remotely feasible. The car is nowhere near the window. And Mick, you and I were talking off air a little bit about your thoughts in terms of what was wrong with it, which concur completely with mine. It needs a lot more rear spring as a as a, at least a first step, it's got way too soft a rear spring rate. There are reasons, again, why that probably, how and why that probably happened, um, which I won't go into, but uh, it needs more rear spring as a, as a first step to try and get it somewhere closer to a window where it might be a, a car that will handle. Yeah, no, no, like no roll center adjustment, ride high adjustment, sway bar, any, any bump and rebound setting in a very expensive shock absorber will fix something that is fundamentally yes. platform wrong. Like yes, yes, like and it, it is. Yeah, like, and that, and yes. I fully accept that. And and the car does not handle well. And and I believe from from at least from the driver's seat, it felt like rear spring. You've indicated that from other vantage points. I just saw some videos and said straight away they're way too soft in the rear spring. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you need to fix so, that first. I'm very happy, actually, that um, that you've confirmed my thoughts on that. Because, again, when you've been out of the seat for a long time, and, and number one, and number two, you're getting into a car that's unfamiliar uh, and that's brand new. And a freaking animal. And a, and a freaking animal. <laughs> and, and, frankly, you know, my, I'm rusty. You know, I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and pretend that I'm the world's best racing driver at the best of times, but I haven't been in the seat in any regular basis for some years. And so, yeah, it's good to hear that, that, um, that your thoughts are the same as mine. Uh, so I'll be chucking some, I'll actually I'll be getting a few sets of rear springs for it and cutting them to length and going to do some testing. But before we do that, uh, I've got to solve it's probably its most important issue, which is uh, a major engine problem, which developed through the morning of that race meeting and in particular uh, during qualifying it started to get hot and when we brought it in it was apparent it was pushing air into the cooling system again. Uh, now this is an issue that some of you will remember I talked about in the past when we were testing at Marulan uh, and um, at, um, at Wakefield. Uh, we thought it was the electric water pump, uh, we replaced the water pump, thought we'd fix the problem. Uh, it's apparent it's not the water pump, it's, it's lifting the head and I think I know why it's lifting the head. Uh, and I also uh, have a much better head gasket for it, uh, a firing stainless steel firing head gasket to go on it, uh, and we'll pull the head down much harder this time. But the, the concern that we have is that we might have actually heard it in running it uh, with some air in the system. It could have cracked a head, it could have cracked a piston maybe, it could uh, it could have something more serious wrong with it because when we popped the, when we popped the plugs out, it was apparent we had a wet piston, number four, which is 
always the one to go on these motors. Yeah, we, we need to do some diagnosis on it. Now, that was, what, a month ago, um, but because of personal circumstances, including the fact that I'm sitting in an Airbnb by myself in South Australia for two weeks at the moment, you know, we've had some major, major ruptures in our personal life, which has meant that I have not been able to pull the pull the car out of the transporter and actually do any work on it at all no diagnosis no nothing so i really don't know what's wrong with it yet hopefully we can get onto that soon and i can get the car down here fixed and get some track time to 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 play with it either at the bend or malala or both and um, we can work on getting it in the window so well, look, both I will... tracks will work yeah to help it's that far wrong that yes just being on track anywhere will help you Absolutely. Because you've also got that pull-on-left issue that you're talking about. Yes, yes. Yeah. So, so you're right. Uh, Off-air, we were talking about the fact that, you know, when I put my foot down, it, it, it wants to spear left, and it's very pronounced, especially in lower grip situations. So, uh, it, look, there were a couple of promising things um, on the bright side to come out of the weekend. The car's got a lot of go. I don't think it needs any more power or torque right, right yet. It's got plenty and there were a couple of occasions in particular during that um, sort of those cold track sessions like in qualifying where in fourth gear I could not I could not give it more than about 40% throttle before I lost traction. This is in fourth gear down the straight at Eastern Creek and even in fifth gear if I hit a, a dark section of track it would it would it would light up the rear tires. Now these are old bald AO50s so but you in know, any don't, case that's we, still it's 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 unbelievable. A lot of you've got way too much talk for the chassis. The yes, moment. yes. That's so, fine. so look, it's uh, look engine development, save for just getting the thing to hold a head on it and um, hold pressure in the combustion chamber. Save for that, I think I don't need any more power right now. I just you could need even an engine. sacrifice some. Yes, uh, to get the chassis working. Uh, I think Throw that's drops yep. a boost. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Uh, and and I need to have a chat with with Simon about that, uh, my tuner, who we only had time to build one map for it when I took it down for him to tune on the last occasion. It's easy to drop some boost. Just talk to Stig about how to put a boost hose on. (laughs) I don't want to to drop that much. Uh, I did did actually... Sorry, Stig, couldn't help myself. Well, I've spoken... For anyone that's listening, I I know that Stig's got a lot of uh, mechanical and engine support, but I still did send stick some messages and i even took some photos of some drawings of how i've seen race cars prevent boost hoses from coming off in around the years and they've all been successful and there's a way to do it right in my book and once you've seen it you just can't believe you weren't doing it that way to start with so good luck stick fixing that boost hose pressure (laughs) problem because that was a shame that you didn't get to show your speed all weekend but anyway see i just i I just suggested you put a can of hairspray in his toolkit he didn't seem to appreciate that suggestion no it worked for me with the datsun or or like dino sauce or whatever they call it for for getting uh, tires to grip on yeah (laughs) but that yeah there's a much simpler solution once you see it makes oh interested to hear that i haven't lost a boost hose yet i'm sure that it's it's only a matter of time before i pop one off but i do use my hairspray technique and it Seems to you work do? Well. Yeah. No, that wasn't a joke. That was no, no, no. I've got a can of extra hole hairspray in my toolbox, yeah, which right. I'm happy to show anyone. I'll even take – well, actually, I'm not at home at the because moment. Because there's, there's technically no other reason for you to have hairspray. No, I've got no hair. 
Um, in fact, I've got more hair on my chin than I do on my head. I guess I could use, I could, I could go extra hold in my armpits. Wouldn't be very comfortable, but um, I have a can, a very large can, in fact, of extra hold hairspray in my toolbox, and I do, I do use it for holding boost hoses on. So, yeah, it works for me. And I thought it was a common trick. I, well, I, so the right way, in my opinion, we might as well talk about it, is to, yeah. is to remove one of the loads on it. So yes. boost hoses don't generally leak because of boost pressure. The boost yep. pressure escapes from it, but they leak from getting longer and shorter. Yes. So you use boost bars, as I call them, but I use them on my exhaust as well and all my slip joints, yep. where you put solid rods in between each of the solid pipes and then the silicon joint can't get longer or shorter. So all it's all your clamping with that, with your normal hose clamp or radiator, truck mm-hmm. radiator clamps if you to, to, to the T-clamp style or if you go to full proper boost clamps that a lot of the manufacturers make nowadays which are flexible and also seal like a V-band almost. Yep. But you, you don't need all them if you don't let it get longer or shorter. <laughs> mm. Like it's, it's the only way it can break a seal. So yeah. you put the into not to, to hold its length. Okay, uh, maybe maybe Mick, you can send me some photos of examples of this. I'll send you the ones I sent Steve. Yeah, yeah <laughs> I'm happy to pop them up on the on the web on the Facebook page for the yeah. for the for but the podcast because I think a lot of people would be. Yeah, if you look at every Group A sort of Nissan GDR RS500 Sierra, they all did it. Like it was just a simple way to hold. This was before silicon hoses as well. Remember, silicon yeah. hoses are a, a 2000s, maybe late 90s technology. Yeah. In the 80s, when turbo cars were around, they were using literally good quality branded truck high pressure radiator hoses because mm. that's what was in the three inch and two and a half inch sizes that came off most turbos and across most intercoolers and throttle bodies. So you had to come up with a way to do it. Yeah. Maybe the factory forwards were different, but I'm just going off the ingenious ways that the eighties engineers all did in Australian touring cars that I was lucky enough to see later on and through the years. And yeah, as soon as you look at it, you just like, that's the only way to do it. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, I think I will have, like speaking a moment again for about the Silver Spud, the the issues I had a lot of issues when I bought the Datsun with popping, and it was always one particular hose that would blow off, and it was the one between the the turbo outlet pipe and the intercooler intake. That's that's the one that kept blowing off, and once it blew off once and it got a little bit of oily film on it, you'd never hold it on, right? So. Yep. Um, yeah, that was the first trick was to so get the hairspray was also clean. like an edge primer. In a yes, well, well, no, well, you, I'd start with um, <laughs> I'd start with uh, something like acetone or carby cleaner or something, and get everything super clean, yep. and then I'd I'd hairspray, and when the hairspray is wet, fit it up and, and tighten the clamps. Never had an issue. Never lost another one doing that. The other thing I've I've seen a lot of uh, higher end uh, cars do nowadays is use those things like. I think they're Wigan clamps or yeah. like like the plasma plasma man clamps, the plasma yep. clamps. And that's what um, I'm if, talking about. They're yeah. they're amazing, right? But yeah, they're they're expensive, and you've got to custom make your um, you've got to custom make your 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 pipes, your your intercooler 
your all your aluminium pipes to fit uh, and you've got to you know obviously the the tolerances aren't aren't high so you've got to make sure that they all fit very nicely whereas silicon is pretty forgiving in terms of what you can get away with with misalignment although that's i think then what you're talking about that misalignment then with movement in the engine engine mounts and 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 everything else is what creates the forces that can pull them off yes like apart from we're stuck with oem chassis strength i know we're allowed to put cages to the strut towers now but that doesn't stop chassis rails moving and other things and Mm -hmm. and and Know, anything that's got a steering box and it's a push style steering with a parallelogram front end like most the cars that we're talking about have yep. it means that the front end is going to move around separate on every quartering yeah. load even if the engine's not moving so yep. you've got a lot of movement yeah. well, a lot not in measurement that you would with a ruler but a lot for what a boost hose is trying to hold down yeah yeah and for then, sure when it's just got a clamp that's a total friction clamp, even if you've got mm-hmm. a bead, nice bead rolled into your aluminium boost pipe or whatever, mm-hmm. you're still changing the angle of forces that are going on that and yep. breaking a seal. And once the seal yeah. breaks a tiny little yeah. bit, as then you it know, comes, yeah, it'll pop, pop straight pop off. Straight off. Yep. So. Yep. No, it's, it's a good point. And, and I think, yeah, look, uh, the only thing I will say about the, the spud is that. I'm only running fairly short. Again, those have seen the car. The intercooler feeds uh, at the top, just right under the radiator support panel. And I've got a 90 degree outlet for my turbo that goes straight into it. And I've got come straight out with two 45s into my throttle body. And so, nice. you know, it, it is in theory as simple, shorter run as it can possibly be. Uh, and I'm hoping that, you know, that contributes to it all holding together and, We'll see. Anyways, mate, yeah, so that's that's where I'm up to. Uh, I've got to fix the car. And um, when I get it on track, uh, I'm looking forward to, like I said, developing it and, and hopefully getting it somewhere close to the window so that it, it is actually fun to drive because right now it's just scares the shit out of me. It still would have been fun. Um, it was your first oh, yeah, it was. I, I did nearly bin it uh, at one stage <laughs> just because of, again, Did how... you say you've got footage of it? I do, and I'm. Oh boy, I might put it up on the on the Facebook page. You have to. Page. You have to. It was pretty frightening. Yeah, because um, you know, then it can be the moment that can only get better from here. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, it's a low water mark for sure. So um, yeah, it gives me gives me something to reflect back on for sure, and something else for you guys to all have a laugh at and take the piss. So all good. Well, I think I don't think people take the piss. I think they'll remember their own moments of that. You know, without swearing, that holy moment of you know where you just, what have I done? It's the first session in the car and it's about to hit the concrete. What the hell? Yep. Plus and that's literally where I was. Effort. I finished, look, at, I was probably a lot further away than this, but I finished in the gravel trap what felt like about six inches from the wall. It was probably a couple of metres, but it wasn't far. And for a while there, and you'll see in the footage, if I do post it up, well, I'll post it. <laughs> You're going to have to. Um, that uh, you'll see in the footage that I... Um, I was yeah sliding across wet grass. The only thing that saved me was um and where it happened was coming out of six into seven at, at Eastern Creek um, up the hill. The only thing I got on the outside um and 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 clipped the white line and and I lost it and speared me right off into the grass on the outside of the track there. The only thing that saved me with all four wheels locked up was where the new part of the you know when you do oh, where it rejoins where yeah. it rejoins there's that yep. wide section of racetrack there and I come across there all four wheels locked up and that washed off like 60 k's an hour 
Yeah. And then from there into the gravel trap. So I didn't roll it because I went in the gravel trap sideways. Um, thankfully, I wasn't going fast enough for it to tip over. And then the gravel trap stopped me before I hit the hit the wall. If it wasn't for that, I would have I'd, I'd eaten the wall. Like, and it would have yeah. been a reasonably hard hit sideways. Yeah, story. Oh, it would have oh, yeah, totally. been bad. So I was very fortunate. And, um, yeah, it wasn't a great sort of high confidence moment. But anyway, I will post some video of that up uh, when I can. Um, you got to be proud of it, mate. you got to be proud yeah, of it. Yeah, yeah. Look, but the other thing I'm proud of too is that even it was a shit weekend in terms of speed and breakage, the car's on track and that is a big milestone. I never expected this to be a car that would just hit the track and be like really, really fast. Uh, I always knew there'd be issues with it. I was realistic about the fact that, you know, there was going to be, a, you know, teething problems to work through and that's okay. You know, we can, that's part of, I guess, the, the joy of building a race car from the ground up, especially something a bit different. So, yeah, we're, we're now at that stage where I can start to start to iron out its faults and, um, yeah, hopefully it's a, a cathartic experience. We'll see. But anyway, um, yeah, it was good. Good to get it on track. 